Hello and welcome to the Best is Net to Come. My name is Josh and I'm joined as always by Michael Rubenstein. And today we're going to be talking about the Nets and they are now 17-7, and 7, I believe. They just won last night against the Dallas Mavericks in a crazy comeback situation where I didn't watch the game live, but I was following it on my phone. I saw them go down in the first half. I'm like, yeah, this isn't looking good. They played from behind the whole first half, missing a ton of shots. Like they're free, I think their three-point percentage last night was horrific. They're losing in the third quarter by like 13. And then, you know, I'm building a dresser. I'm like doing stuff in my apartment. Check my phone again. Game's tied. Four minutes left. They're going back and forth. Suddenly, Harding gets a layup. Patty Mills hits a three. Nets are up. And with 20 seconds left, the Mavs have a chance. They take two shots, bad shots. Um, and the Nets win 102.99 on the road. I'm shocked because this is normally a game the Nets would lose. They look like they were going to lose it, and then they come back and win. And I guess, again, it's a testament to the defense. Nicholas Claxton's back. He played last night. His defense was phenomenal. He missed two key free throws that would have put them out of uh, tying range at the end of the game. Like, he got fouled. They're up 102.99. He misses both free throws. <laughs> but his defense made up for that, I guess, and they did end up winning. So, Mike, yeah, we, we want to talk more about defense because that seems to be the, the best thing about the Nets this year. What have you seen in the past couple of days that, you know, continues to amaze you? Uh, so for the last year and a half, whenever we would talk about defense, we would say, like, is it effort? And I think it was. And now the effort is just there. They have guys that are known for defense, guys that get minutes because of defense, like Bembry, Bruce Brown, obviously, Claxton now. So it's just kind of like this whole new identity, which is really cool because they know they can't outscore people. Uh, the rebounding is better. I don't know who exactly is leading the charge in that sense, but uh, it Perhaps just seems James like there's Johnson? a... Who? I'm thinking it might be James Johnson. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, but whatever it is, the team just seems like they have this extra uh, pride on that side now, where for the first year and then in the beginning of this year, when shots would go up, it looked like all five players were just like looking at the ball, waiting for someone to get it, where now they're actually like... Maybe Patty Mills is like the spark plug. I think Patty Mills has a bigger impact than we might know just from his shooting and stuff. I think his energy and his leadership, because uh, he attacks the ball. Like, he's the littlest guy on the court, and he's going in there for rebounds. So mm -hmm. when your guards do that, your forwards do it, and it just kind of trickles down to everyone. So uh, fun to watch. Uh, it's cool that they can win games like this where they aren't shooting well. It's 102 to 99, the final score, uh, where if it was last year and they scored 102 points, you know, that was like, yeah, they probably lost by twenty in that. <laughs> yeah, of, in horrible, that horrible. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a uh, not the most fun version of the Nets because we like to watch uh, a lot of scoring, yeah. especially from Durant and Harden and all that. But it's pretty cool basketball that translates every night, no matter who they're playing, uh, and into the playoffs. Hopefully, so I think it's pretty inspiring to get yeah. our hopes up. That's exactly right. I think that's the one thing that is still. Um, it's been such a transition for Nets fans watching this team, watching how easy it was for them to score last year. You forget that that's not really how basketball works, that basketball, in order to be a good basketball team, you have to mostly play like mediocre offense and just good defense. And that's how you can maintain consistency. 
you can't just be like scoring 125, 130 points a night. That just doesn't make sense in a normal situation. So this is a more normal Nets team. That doesn't mean that they're, you know, they don't deserve the wins they're getting. They, last night, I think, was one of their more hard-earned wins of the year. A, a huge comeback against, you know, a, an all-star. I, I don't know. I can say the same about the rest of the Mavericks, but at least Luke is an all-star. He doesn't play great defense, and he did look a little out of shape. He does. They, they, they mentioned it on, on the uh, broadcast that he looks kind of chubby. I forget what they exactly said, but... A lot of guys out of shape right now in the league. It seems like, uh, you know, people took Thanksgiving a little too seriously, maybe. <laughs> it sounds like uh, when Luca talked about it post-game, he even said, like, he had a long summer where he played in the Olympics, and then he took, like, three weeks off. And those three weeks, I don't know, he must have just sat around on a beach. I think he just, like, <laughs> yeah, drank, like, Crisco yeah. or something. I don't know. How do you get gain so much weight in three weeks? Maybe yeah. he's got one of those, like, he's got one of those bodies, you know, just... If he doesn't do stuff, he like gains weight instantly. So he has to constantly be active. Yeah, and uh, I feel like this is actually not just a this year thing for Luca too. I feel like this Mavericks team, uh, like they've had a couple good runs at the Clippers in the playoffs, so everyone gives Luca a lot of credit for that. Uh, and obviously his numbers are outrageous. But I feel like they do kind of like give these games away a lot because late in the game, they just don't have that the juice anymore. Kristaps uh, too is, I mean, he's a choker. He had. So last night I was watching it during trivia. So I was like catching plays here and there. I wasn't able to watch consistently. I look up and Porzingis gets fouled right at the rim, misses the layup. Like at a, he had a chance to get an and one that would have tied the game. And he just like blew the layup. <laughs> and then I think he missed the free throw. So like Porzingis, uh, he's playing better. But there's something about the Mavericks. I think they just choke. Their, their identity, I think, right now is give games away. And there's a reason why they always float in the bottom half of the standings with a player as good as Luka. is because they just can't seem to put these games away. They should have won that game by 15 points last night. Yeah, that's, it's really more of a Mavs loss than it is a Nets win. The Nets shouldn't have been down by that much. Like that was, on, that was on the Nets. But for a team to be up almost the entire game and to lose uh, like that does show a lack of grit in the fourth quarter. They scored like 17 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think 13. It was 27-13, yeah. Oh, 13. Oh, that's why I mixed the, yeah. the, the, the back numbers. Yeah, 13 points in the fourth quarter. That's horrific. Yeah. That's yeah. That doesn't make sense. So, yeah, well, Nets are 17-7 and seven and still first in the league. And I don't know what's going to happen with the Chicago Bulls, but a lot of them have COVID right now. Mm, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, Mike, as Mike groans because he has DeMar DeRozan on his fantasy team who's playing the best year of his life, um, DeRozan. But uh, – yeah, a lot of the Bulls have COVID, so they might fall down in the standings a little bit in the next few days. Uh, and yeah, we might see the Nets, if they continue to win, they should win tonight against the Rockets. The Rockets have been on a little bit of a tear. They they bounced back from their like horrific start. They won, like I don't know, what, five or six in a row? Yeah, six and, in a row. Uh, but, so maybe they figured a few things out, but the Nets should still win. And James Harden's going back to, to Houston. Now, he played in Houston last year. Played a decent game against them in Houston last year. But tonight, if he wants, he will have the chance to be the first player ever to score 40 points against every NBA team. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. He has scored at least 40 points against 30, oh, 29 of the 30 teams in the league. The only team he never scored a, had a 40-point game against were the Rockets, obviously, because he was on their team for uh, nearly a decade. So 
do you think he goes for that kind of record tonight? Uh, I don't know if he's going to consciously go for it, but I think he kind of has to just to win the game because Durant's sitting, Aldridge is sitting, uh, mm. obviously no Joe Harris. So who's going to score tonight? Uh, I don't know. I oh, it has to be Harden. It's like, yeah. oh, I didn't, I didn't know Durant was saying. I knew Aldridge was. Well, yeah. then there we go. That's yeah. <laughs> that's a given. Of course, in order for the Nets to even keep this a close game, Harden's gonna have to score forty. Yeah. Maybe that was that was that seems planned. That seems like well, we're gonna make this happen for you, Harden. It's gonna be hard though. How do you think fans in Houston, maybe not will react, but should react to James Harden being back? Because obviously he left on a pretty sour note, but mm-hmm. he gave them so much. He choked in the playoffs year after year. So that I understand if some uh, fans are frustrated with that. But I know his reputation is a strong community guy. He was even in Brooklyn uh, for Thanksgiving giving out meals this year. So do you think fans will show appreciation for him, or do you think they might still be a little bit uh, bitter about how he left? Uh, I mean, I bet there's, of course, many um, more mature fans than myself who probably would forgive him by now, probably see – that, you know, this is a business. The way he got out was all, you know, business-related. He was just trying to do what was best for him. And he did give the Rockets a number of years. Um, I'm not saying the way he got he left that team was, like, the way that I would have appreciated if I was a Rockets fan, though. And I definitely would still be very upset about that. I would still be butthurt. And I honestly, I don't know how much, like, Rockets fans are following the Nets media. But if you follow the Nets ca- accounts that we follow... All it talks about and all it shows is like James Harden being super happy in his situation in Brooklyn. Like he loves it here. He seems to be really like in his element, um, whether it's, yeah, like you said, doing things with the community. He, he, he loves like just like showing up to these like fundraisers and stuff. And also, you know, it's, it seems to be more his vibe. He has a – he seems like – I don't know. He Obviously, he's struggling with his position on the court more than he is off the court in a way. It's like he was the complete opposite in, in, in Houston. He didn't know what he meant for the grander scheme of the Rockets, but, of course, he scored like 50 points a night in Houston. This is a little different here in Brooklyn, but I think he's happier in a weird way. And if I was a Rockets fan and I knew that, I'd be furious. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, fuck you for being happier. Uh, you know, we gave you everything, but – yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think personally, I would not be happy to see James Harden ever again <laughs> if I was a Rockets fan. Um, yeah, I don't know. How about you? How would you feel? I mean, I think they should cheer him uh, just because eight years. I think is how long he spent. Eight years of conference championships, consist like MVP uh, and good community stuff. He didn't have any like real off-court issues besides, like, at the end with going to strip clubs and stuff like that, all those jokes. So, I mean, I would probably cheer for him if I was in the stands. Uh, But I could definitely see, like, some fans being better. Uh, Like, we had Vince Carter, Mm -hmm. Jason Kidd. Like, most superstars don't leave on good terms. (laughs) They want out because, so, you know, it is what it is. I think five years from now, you know, he'll get standing ovations, uh, number retired maybe. But... I wouldn't be surprised if tonight they're not so happy with him. You know, I guess you're right. There is no such thing as a a superstar who leaves their team and gets standing ovations. Look at what happened to LeBron. Look what happened to KD after he left OKC. Every great player who leaves, there's a little bit of a, 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 
a rift between the, the, the team and them. Now, after they retire, things can mend. But while they're still mm-hmm. playing and they're still playing for another team, the, you know, yeah. the wound the only is one, still fresh. The only one I can think of off the top of my head, and it's kind of two people, I guess, in the same team, is DeMar DeRozan and now Kyle Lowry. Because mm-hmm. neither one of them, like, wanted to leave. And right. Toronto loved them and appreciates them. So I think, like, if I sat down and really thought about it, maybe I'd come up with more. But DeMar DeRozan really stands out to me as the exception to the rule. Uh, just because he gave everything he had. Couldn't beat LeBron. And they were like, you know what? We just got to move on from you. <laughs> so. Yeah, but look, to be fair, though, if they don't win that fucking uh, chip in 2019, I think they are telling Kyle Lowry to kick rocks just as fast as they told DeMar DeRozan yeah. to kick rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he became sort of an icon of the Toronto Raptors during that series, during that playoff run. Yeah. It was like, oh, we didn't realize how much we should be loving Kyle Lowry. Before that, like, people always were made, like, ah, he's not really, like, he's good, but he's not great. Like, he's never going to take this team to, a, like, a championship. Like, he folds in, like, big situations all the time. He was a choke artist, too, Kyle Lowry. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that changed his whole, like, the trajectory of his like career as like a forever Raptor and stuff. And people are going to, they're going to retire his Jersey eventually someday too. But if it wasn't, yeah, if it wasn't for fucking Kawhi Leonard, no one would be thinking about Kyle Lowry that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, on the topic of record breaking nights, Steph Curry needs 15 threes to pass Ray Allen for the most threes of all time. That's and crazy. There's a lot of banter as to whether or not he'll do it in one night. I hope he does. Someone, someone like kind of dared him in like a press conference, like, "Hey, you think you can do it all in one night?" And you'd think he'd just be like, "No, no, no, that's ridiculous. No, I don't need to do that." But he kind of was like, "Hmm, you know, crazy things can happen." You know, like yeah. he, he he didn't count it out. Yeah. And then Kerr even mentions he says, "If Steph made 15 threes, that means he's got about 45 points minimum." We're probably winning by a healthy margin, and that would make me the villain if I take him out. If I don't take him out, I'm a complete fool because he can get hurt. It's pretty much lose-lose for me. Yeah, it does seem like <laughs> That's a funny. rock in a hard place. What would you do, Mike, if you were Steve Kerr and he's got 13 hmm. threes, but it, uh, they're winning by 40, in the, and it's like the four minutes left in the fourth? So they're home tonight, I believe. So I would probably leave him in. You know, the odds of him getting hurt are pretty low. Obviously, you never say never. But I would probably leave him in, give give the fans a show. I think they're playing Portland, and he traditionally plays extremely well against Portland with or without Lillard playing tonight. Um, so I would give him a shot. Obviously, if he gets hurt, you're like, that's like the worst decision of his life. But I, I think you just got to roll with it and let him go. We, well, we know everything about uh, Golden State um, and the decisions they make about players and their health. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. as we as we saw Kevin Durant's uh, Achilles rupture on national television. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're right. I, I think I would probably let it go, too. I want to see some history. So I'm um, thinking for tonight, the game's at yep. 10, I think. It starts at 10. I don't want to stay up and watch the whole thing. But I'm trying to give myself a number if Curry has a certain amount of threes in the first half. Will I stay up? So I'm going to say if he hits like six threes in the first half, I might try. Because mm. if he catches fire in the third quarter, he'll have a shot. 
So we'll see. I kind of hope selfishly he comes out and only hits a couple so I can go to bed. But I want to see the record. I think that'd be really cool, especially at home. Yeah, that would be really cool. Man, geez. I can't imagine being there tonight. But it's not going to happen. He's probably going to break the record like in two or three games. Yeah. Um, now, you wanted to say something about Vogel. Okay. So, I I hate sports media for the most part between social media accounts and those morning shows. So, what's been driving me crazy? The Lakers are obviously not living up to expectations right now. I think they're hovering maybe one game over 500. They've had injuries. LeBron's been out. Weird things. Long, you know, long couple seasons, the past two seasons. So, they're, they're banged up. Stephen A. Smith going on TV and calling for Frank Vogel's job is driving me insane. I, I don't think any TV personality, any social media person should have the right to influence the public into thinking someone should lose their job because Lakers fans are crazy. They hear something, they get up in arms about it, and then Lakers management feels pressure and like sometimes listens to that. So I'm like... If you want to critique a coach on national TV on your show, give pointed reasons. Say, like, look at this play or this decision they did that led to a loss. Don't mm-hmm. just say the team's struggling. Vogel's got to get out of here. Like, the, I think there just needs to be a shift in, like, in media that says, Let, let's stop doing this. This is someone's job, their livelihood. Don't, like, you know what I mean? It's driving Yeah, me no, I, I completely understand. You're absolutely right. And that's... Such a tough place to be in if you're Vogel. To be the coach of a team that is supposed to be great because not only are they the Lakers, but they have LeBron James, they got Anthony Davis, they got Russell Westbrook. On paper, that's like a 20 and 5 team, and they're 13 and 12. Yeah. So, what's going on? You can blame a little bit on Vogel, but these guys are not playing to the ability that they should be. Russell is kind of coming into it now. They did like resoundly beat the the Celtics last night. But no, they had a really bad start and they lost a lot of games they should have won. And uh yeah, there's been a bunch of controversy around them on top of the whole LeBron getting COVID thing, but then LeBron got ejected from a game. Like like there's just a lot of stuff going on with the team. Russ started ice cold. Uh Anthony Davis is like not really that great all the time. He's up and down. In these circumstances, yes, everyone knows the coach is on the hot seat. But does the coach deserve to be on the hot seat because of a media presence as strong as Stephen A? Right. I don't think so. Yeah. So, And it happens in football, too. Like, I don't know. I just think give us, like, evidence of, like, why the team is struggling. And if you want to point that to certain coaching decisions, I'm fine with that. I want to hear more analysis, less – uh, inflammatory rhetoric. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I almost always blame the players. I never blame the coach as much. Like, especially with the NBA, unless your team is like a bunch of rookies or a bunch of young guys and you have a bad coach, then I'm like, okay, I can see why. Like the like the Kings. The Kings definitely need a good coach to become better. But I also question, like, maybe the Kings are just bad basketball players. Like, maybe they just <laughs> don't know how to figure this out. And it doesn't matter who's their coach. Yeah, sometimes you got to just look at the guy who put the roster together. Right, right. Like the general manager might be the one who needs to go. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, like, Vogel's not the one that signed Mello. Vogel's not the one that signed Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan, who oh, I'm so yeah. happy. So He's happy. So that's, bad. <laughs> yeah. He showed exactly his true colors immediately. Yeah. yeah. Nets fans knew it. Lakers yeah. fans had to learn. I don't even know. He's such a shell of his former self. I don't even remember what DeAndre Jordan was used to be. Like, I don't remember the kind of player he was. That's how bad he's athletic. Been. All he was was tall and athletic. Yeah. And now he's not athletic anymore. So, um, speaking of general managers and this team in general, the Portland Trailblazers recently fired their general manager for, I think, like misconduct or some, some sort of uh, huge scandal. Neil O'Shea. Now, that's that's just adding to the fire, which is that the Portland Trailblazers are just as bad as everyone assumed they would be and have been bad for years, despite having one of the best talents in the league and Damian Lillard. But Damian Lillard also has been playing not so great. And, you know, they need to blow it up. And everyone knows it. They know it, too. So there's been a lot of rumors about trades and, and, and who would go where and what to do and – Obviously, Ben Simmons is out there still just like waiting to play for a team that's not the Sixers. So, Mike, do you do you actually see some move between the Sixers, the Pacers, who are trying to blow things up, too, and the Trailblazers? Can you see something happening between them? So I would have said yes yesterday because a lot of this came out yesterday. Uh, But one of their big trade pieces would be C.J. McCollum. And his lung collapsed. Yeah, and now he yeah. has a collapsed lung. Like, what? But that's temporary, isn't timing. it? Yeah, but that's like a pretty bad thing. Yeah. So obviously it'll heal, but just like what bad timing for the Blazers as everything's going wrong. You got the news of Dame wanting to play with Simmons. Obviously, if they want Simmons, they're gonna have to get rid of McCollum. Like they don't have a lot of other guys to trade. So I just like I can't believe that happened today. Um, so I think they'll probably do something. Uh, I don't know about how the Pacers will factor in. I know the Pacers want to get rid of anyone they can between Sabonis, Turner, and Levert uh, to rebuild. Um, the other part of this, I think that's really crazy as an outsider looking in, is how much the players hate Chauncey Billups, apparently. Really? <laughs> Did you read about that? Like, no. No one, no one believes in Chauncey Billups. All the players are like, what are we doing? Like, this system doesn't make any sense. I think he's a little, like, either too old school or too demanding in practice, like uh, Tom Thibodeau used to be. I don't know exactly what it is, but it sounds like the players hate Chauncey Billups, <laughs> and I think that's pretty funny. What the hell? Like, I-, I knew they had to fire their last coach, but why did they pick Chauncey if they didn't know he could mesh with the team already? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Don't they? Don't sense. they do like preliminary, like, hey, we're gonna have you work out with the team, see how you how, how you do, or yeah. did he lie in his interview? Like, I mean, what the fuck? I remember even when they were hiring him, he had a little bit of a, like, scandal, like a assault scandal. Yes, yes, yes. So people right. were like, why are they doing this? Like, there's no one better. Mm-hmm. So I haven't actually watched, like, a single Trailblazer game. So I can't speak too much on, like, what he's doing as a coach. But yeah. I, just, I saw that, like, article today, and I just thought it was funny. Because Chauncey Billups, in my opinion, was one of the most respected point guards of this generation for the past 30 years. Because... Those Pistons teams were so good. He was big shot Billups, uh, mm. tough guy, smart guy. Uh, didn't see any of this coming. Yeah, and me neither. And I mean, 
I knew that the the Trailblazers were not going to be any greater or than they were last year. I think last year was one of the better teams until the end of the season. They kind of fell apart, but they looked good in the first half of the season. And yeah, the fact that they they're kind of just like still petering out seems like nothing's changed since like last March. Uh. I don't know. Nothing surprises me about that team right now. But I would love to see a big blow-up trade. I just don't – I just cannot actually expect Dame to go anywhere. I think my gut reaction would be that Dame stays and they trade everyone else. Yeah. Because Dame just seems like the kind of guy who's been getting pressure to leave Portland for like five years now. Like he could have been the second or third best player on a championship team already. Definitely could have been. But he was like, no, this is my team. I'm going to win a championship in Portland. And, you know, he's already he's already gone through it now. He has to kind of have his cake and eat it <laughs> in this actual regard. And the cake is not that good. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> yeah, shitty. He's stuck with the worst cake. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think he's going to stay. He's too loyal. He likes being on the West Coast because he's such an Oakland guy. Because if he gets tra- he gets traded to the Sixers or whatever, like you know, it's the other side of the country that that doesn't work for him super well. I can see McCollum going though. I can see McCollum going to the Sixers, but I don't even know if that makes the Sixers better. That's the worst part. Well, I mean, it's better than someone who's not playing. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like, I, I don't know. know. We'll, we'll see what happens there. That would be cool if it worked out. How does Ben Simmons play with Dame? It gives Dame the ability to play off the ball because Simmons is such a good passer. And as good as Lillard is with the ball, like if you let him catch and shoot, he's not going to miss. So I think it takes pressure off Dame. Obviously, Simmons isn't going to handle the ball late in the fourth quarter because he's so terrible under pressure with the free throw situation. But at least throughout the course of the game, it helps. And Simmons' specialty besides passing is his defense. And... That's always been a problem with the Blazers and Dame is defense. So Simmons brings that identity, that skill set, uh, adds another ball handler. Because like, besides Lillard on that team right now, McCollum, you know, he can dribble. I'm not saying he can't dribble, but he's not a playmaker. He's a create his own shot kind of guy. And right. Lillard is a mostly for himself scorer. He'll pass when he needs to in pick and roll situations, but they don't really have that unselfish. Uh, floor general because Lillard's a scorer so Simmons definitely adds that dimension it'll probably be a good fit honestly I I would like to see it and then what about the Pacers element of this uh the Pacers are also looking to blow it up they're trying to they might be getting rid of Miles Turner who's a little bit injury prone I don't know how happy I'd be to get him if I had to give up a bunch of guys like who would you be willing to give up if you were I don't think anyone in the Nets can go right now. But if you had to give up some people on the Nets to get Miles Turner, who would you give up? To get Miles Turner? Um, that is a good question. I think the only name that makes sense is Claxton because he's young and promising. Like, they're not going to want LaMarcus Aldridge, obviously, because they're rebuilding. No. So Claxton's the only one that makes sense if they're rebuilding because he's so young. Maybe they pair Claxton with like either a Bruce Brown or a or Bembry. But I don't think either one of those guys has the like potential that they're looking for in a rebuild. So I think Claxton and draft picks is the only thing that makes sense, which I don't want to do that. 
I would rather have Claxton than Miles Turner. Uh, there's something about Miles Turner that just doesn't make me feel comfortable. Yeah. Inconsistency, um, clumsiness. I don't know what it is, but there's something about Miles Turner that I like. Claxton hasn't quite gotten to his peak yet, and mm-hmm. we're being patient with that. And hopefully, he can stay healthy and and get there. But I would rather at this point have Claxton than Turner. Yeah, I hope that Claxton doesn't go the same route as Turner because it seems like Claxton, I mean, without us really knowing that, thinking about it too much, he hasn't really been on the court a lot this season. And he's only played, what, like four or five Nets games. (laughs) So hopefully he doesn't have that same tendency that Turner has to just be like kind of constantly about to be injured or about to be sick or both. Mm That's how I've always felt about Turner. He always like had like his foot was always broken or his hand was always broken or something was always broken. So I don't know. Made a class. I think he's clumsy. Like I don't watch enough Pacers games, but I feel like he's just clumsy. Man, <laughs> if I guys. were the if I were the Pacers, um, yeah, getting anything for Turner would be cool. But like, Demontis Sabonis is very good. He's a very good player. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I the fact that he's coming up in these like trade rumors makes like what are they trying to do? They trying to become the the Oklahoma City Thunder right now? Like, yeah. Are they trying to be that bad? Yeah. I don't know why you would get rid of Sabonis. I understand get rid of Levert, get rid of Turner. Uh, but Sabonis, like, in my honest opinion, is almost like a unicorn. I know they, they use that yeah, yeah. phrase for certain people. The, a big man who can pass like he passes, shoot like he shoots, and rebound. What more could you want from a That's big what man? That is the ideal <laughs> player right now in the NBA. Every team needs that guy. Every team yeah. needs this bonus. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of return they'd get. I mean, if a team wants to give up four future first-round draft picks, okay, go ahead and be the Thunder. Be awful for the next five years. Yeah. But I don't see why you would want to go that route. I, like, I don't understand why the Pacers want to rebuild it all anyway. I think they have a lot of good players. Between Brogdon, yeah. Lavert, they got this new rookie, Duarte. With Sabonis, like they're a good team. They must just be underperforming so badly right now that someone in the organization was just like, "It's not working. Panic! Like red flag. Let's get rid of them." Because on paper, that's a playoff team. Yeah, they no, they just underperformed. They're like the Mavs, you know, they they yeah. should be winning games that they don't. They're always they're, they're a classic team that like you you read an article the next day like, "Oh, this team blew a whatever twenty two point lead and lost." It's always like the Pacers. Yeah. Um, nah, would you would you right now in this moment trade Kyrie for Levert if you're the Nets? Honestly, no, 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 no. no you, it's not even because Kyrie is like better than him. It obviously I don't I don't know if Kyrie's ever gonna play on the Nets again, but I don't. As much as I respect Levert and what he did for the Nets, there were some blaring problems with him that I. Still watch him. The reason why the Pacers are not winning is because of like, Levert. Not only Levert, but like <laughs> people like Levert. Levert takes bad shots all the time. Mm-hmm. He's a very athletic player. He's a very good player. Sometimes when he's on, he'll hit. He'll have a thirty-point game. He may even have a forty-point game. But he also is a choke artist, and he takes bad shots at the wrong time, a lot. And he doesn't play good defense at all. True. Yeah. All right. No, I respect that answer. That so I, I as, always I, I always talk shit about those kinds of players. That was yeah. my problem with Derrick Rose when he was in his prime. That was my problem with uh like 
I don't know. It, th- those are my certified losers. Lou Williams, like guys yeah. that can score, but only when they hit the bad shots that they're taking. So I respect that. I'm actually really glad that you said that. <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm heartbroken to say this, but it's so evident. You just need to watch like a couple Karis LeVert games, and you'll notice the trend that he he takes like five more shots than he should every game. Like mm. if he is their starting whatever, starting shooting guard, starting point guard. No, he's their he's their shooting guard, right? If he's their starting shooting guard, he should be taking 14 shots a game. And he's taking like 22, you know, like he's always, <laughs> yeah. he's always taking like way too many. Mm-hmm. If he took like, yeah, even five less, if he took like 16 or 17 shots a game, he'd have better percentages. He'd be a better player. He'd be less of a liability, but he's taking away possessions from better players in those moments going like nine for 22 or eight for 20 and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't need that on the, on the nets. There's literally no room for that. I don't know who <laughs> like they would, Kevin Durant would like kick him out of the fucking stadium, like halfway through a game. I know that they played together, but you know, Durant definitely had a say in him going allegedly. I don't know mm-hmm. for sure. Um, oh yeah. I remember the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is that the Oklahoma city thunder lost to the Memphis Grizzlies by a, <laughs> A NBA record 73 points over yeah. the weekend. Ugh. What? <laughs> and that's without John Morant. Yeah. For the Grizzlies. <laughs> Who was even playing in like the middle of the third quarter when they I were losing know. by like 40 or something? That's so bad. And then we can circle back to this. The Thunder were on TV on Monday. Uh-huh. It was the Thunder versus the Pistons. Oh, it was, it was last Friday this happened, right? Yeah. But then Thunder Pistons was the NBA TV Monday night game. So it was just like, I remember hearing Jeff Van Gundy like sounding off on that while he was doing a game on like whatever, ABC, ESPN. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, we can't give them a national game. Like who decided that? Can we change this? 73 points is absurd. Like yeah. 40 is absurd. Losing by 40 is absurd. 73 is almost double that. 73 is like, um, we're just putting fans on the court and seeing what happens, yeah. you know? 73 is like, oh, the, the the Thunder are dunking on their own hoop now. Like, the, the, there is no, – I can't even – I have to watch that game. I haven't watched it. I have <laughs> to you, watch it and see how that happened. Do you know the uh, the Space Jam reference that they were using where the Monstars are scoring over and over and the scoreboard says, like, kind of one-sided, <laughs> one isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. It was like that. So that's, that's awful. I feel like if you played 2K against – uh, like a computer at the lowest level, like super amateur, whatever, like all the stats are like 50 for all the other players, you'd still only beat them by like 60 points. <laughs> yeah. But you would not lose. You would not beat them by 73. Yeah, I, you're right. We should watch that. Like we should sit down yeah. one day and just like maybe put it on like double speed or something. But we yes. got to watch that game. And like, were they like, full court pressing and getting steals and dunks probably not so like how do they score 150 points and how do the thunder in a game that's that high paced only score less than 80 like it doesn't make sense yeah i need to know if it was like leaning more towards like the grizzlies just had like a phenomenal game or like with oklahoma city just like sold so hard on every single minute of the game like i don't know i gotta see it anyway uh well that about wraps for us today. Let's just quickly talk about the Nets games coming up. They're playing tonight against Houston. Um, let's see. 
They're playing Houston. They're playing the Hawks again on Friday. And then the Pistons on Sunday. So, you know, they had a pretty good game against the Hawks last time they played. So I'm expecting the Hawks to play really hard against them and possibly win. And then they're playing the Pistons, who have a vendetta out for the Nets because of the whole Blake Griffin thing. Even Blake Griffin's not even playing anymore, but I, every time they play the Pistons, it's a close game too. So yeah, we might have two close games coming up if the Nets somehow, you know, maybe like it's fuck James Harden night tonight, and maybe they have a hard <laughs> game tonight too because they're not playing with Durant. They might have three hard games coming up. So hopefully they have at least one or two wins going into next week. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, the Atlanta game should be good. It's in Atlanta. Atlanta plays a lot better at home. Uh, I'm worried about tonight's game. I think Houston's going to give them a really tough matchup. So I just think it's funny. Every time we talk about the Nets, I think we were a little bit more optimistic today, maybe because Rick wasn't here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Rick does bring it down. He's a little more pessimistic about them. uh, But, like, they're still the one seed, and that's just crazy. But with all the turmoil day-to-day that they go through with, Joe Harris being out, Kyrie's situation, obviously, um, the not scoring as much, Harden not playing up to his potential. Like, we're still the one seed, and that's pretty wild. It doesn't make sense. They're still so weird. Like, last night I was like, oh, finally, the Nets are showing their true colors, losing to the Mavs. And then they won. I'm like, what is this team? I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. understand. <laughs> anyway. We'll figure it out, I guess, hopefully by Christmas, what this team is. Maybe not. Maybe by All-Star break, we'll figure out what this team is. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening to The Best is Net to Come. We'll be back next week, hopefully. And, uh, yes, have a great one.